Hey coaches, I'm just gonna pop in here really fast because I wanna share something with you that I am so excited about. My course for elementary literacy coaches, The Confident Literacy Coach, is live. It's up and running and you can get access to it right now. So here's the deal. When I started out as a coach, I struggled. I had trouble defining my role and communicating it with teachers and administration, and I honestly didn't even know that was something I was gonna have to do. I dreaded PLC days because getting my teachers to collaborate, to speak the same language and create lesson plans together was a total nightmare. And I was so stressed out by modeling and co-teaching in classrooms that I actually avoided it for a long time. It was not a happy time for me, (laughs) but things got so much better. I figured out processes to help my teams of teachers work together. I focused on best practices in reading and writing and identified some high impact strategies to support alignment on my campus. And I began to spend more time in classrooms after I planned thoroughly with teachers before lessons. Basically, I started coaching with confidence. I've collected all the processes and tools that I used to do this work and I've put it all together in one place so you can coach with confidence too. The Confident Literacy Coach is your one-stop shop for everything literacy coaching in elementary school. You'll learn how to define your role and communicate it to your administrator, what best practices you should spend your time on, and my process for collaborative planning, plus so much more that will take your coaching life from frustrated and overwhelmed to effective and confident. You can check it out at Buzzing with Miss B.com. Just click the Confident Literacy Coach at the bottom of the latest post and you'll learn exactly what's in the course and why it will change your coaching for the better. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coaches, and welcome to episode 75 of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Today, you get to listen in on a real live coaching call where I talk to an instructional coach about some of the challenges that they're having at their school, and we figure out some possible ideas and some next steps that they could take to try to move towards some solutions. So my guest today is Nicole Drury, and she is going to share about the kind of work that she's doing. And then we are going to get down to some problem solving. All right. So welcome Nikki to the podcast. Hi, Chrissy. I'm so excited. I'm really glad you were able to join me today. Um, we figured out a time that would work for both of us. Time zones are tricky, but <laughs> I think we got it. We figured it out. So um, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit to everybody who's listening and then just maybe a little bit about who you are, you know, what kind of work you're focusing on right now, and then we can go from there. Sure. So I am a literacy instructional coach at a three through five campus. Um, I am in the state of Texas. um, So we have that in common. Um, even though we're in different time zones. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so my focus is on literacy and my coaching role on my campus looks like many different things, of course. Um, there's a lot of professional development um, that I give that I plan with, with all my teams every week. And it also looks like coaching cycles which um, have been few, but uh, you know, they're, 
they're becoming more often now that we're all kind of settled in and a little more comfortable in our school. And um, I work, I, I would say that I spend most of my time developing new teachers mm-hmm. and working with them. Um, and you know, I do also spend a lot of time with my administration team, which they're great and I love them and they're so supportive. I'm very lucky there. Um, but uh, today I wanted to talk about working with the new teachers mm-hmm. uh, because I do spend, like I said, I spend a lot of time with them uh, in professional development. I spend a lot of time with them in their classrooms. Um, I spend a lot of time with them chatting. Um, so every year, you know, I get a, I get a new wave <laughs> of new teachers, new personalities, combination of blank slates and a combination of maybe a lot of experience. Um, so it's, it's a lot of work uh, developing teachers because on my campus, you go through training with me for a full year. It starts in July and we meet twice a month from July to May. And we spend an hour and a half together from July to May every other week. Um, And it's in a professional development. And then I go in your classrooms, you know, throughout the weeks, throughout the days. So (laughs) that's what my coaching role on my campus uh, looks like. Okay, great. Yeah, um, onboarding new teachers is a huge challenge. And whenever you have turnover every year, it's it's exhausting, honestly. Um, every year you're like, okay, here we go again. <laughs> We've built the capacity in these people. They left. Let's get started all over again. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, it's it's a daunting role. And if you have a significant turnover, it's, it's especially daunting. Um, and you would mention in your, your email that you feel like there are a lot of initiatives or like campus practices that are just kind of required by everybody. And you feel like that can be overwhelming to some new teachers, I I would guess many. Yeah. So that's my biggest hurdle Mm -hmm. because, okay. In initial literacy, that's what my course is called for throughout the year. Mm -hmm. Um, We really, on my campus, we really follow the Fountas and Pinnell literacy collaborative model. Mm -hmm. So I train teachers to hold true to reading workshop, Mm -hmm. guided reading, um, reading conferences, word study, the Fountas and Pinnell way. I don't know if you're familiar with that model. Um, Each day is is different. It's a different way to practice words that teachers aren't familiar with, right? Mm -hmm. So there's there's a lot of new learning. So they have to learn this model that our school is holding true to. They have to learn guided reading mm-hmm. and not only just um, the elements of it, but also like how to move your students forward, right? Because if you're gonna pull them to your table, you have to know what to do with them. So I feel really passionate about that area. And I really, I focus a lot on guided reading and the reading process and how we can move students forward through running records and guided reading and knowing the knowing how to analyze running records. So I, I spend a lot of time there, but then my campus, you know, we're a three through five campus. So what are we worried about? We're worried about testing, right? We're worried about our accountability rating. Mm-hmm. 
that means a lot to our campus. Um, so then my campus hired a consultant, wonderful consultant, a few years ago, and she helped align our campus with campus strategies. So we've got a strategy for summary. We've got a strategy mm-hmm. for main idea. We got a strategy for context clues. We got a strategy for compound sentences. <laughs> you name it. <laughs> yeah. We have a strategy. So then when I'm in planning with teachers and I say, okay, this week y'all are starting compound sentences. Let me, let me talk about how we're going to teach it. Let me tell you about our campus aligned strategy. And our, I'll never forget this year. This teacher went, oh, not again. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I thought I was doing, I thought we were doing the right thing, right? Because we want what's best for kids. We want to stay aligned. This is a my campus view. We want to stay aligned in our use of strategies because we want to promote success from grade to grade. Mm-hmm. But when she said that, I w- my eyes opened because never did I think a teacher was feeling that way when I'm pushing out all of these campus aligned strategies, which are coming across as like an expectation and a, you know, because in me, it's been instilled, like, this is how we do it. And it's your responsibility to make sure teachers understand it and are following through. Mm -hmm. So I really feel like sometimes my role feels more like check compliance. (laughs) Right. Instead of, you know, I remember when I was in the classroom, my coach helped me build my own capacity in my own way. I didn't, she didn't necessarily have a certain strategy that she taught me and then, and then expected me to do. Mm-hmm. So that's hard. And I, I kind of don't know how to balance it because I'm getting, you know, my eyes are kind of opening now. It's my third year in my role. So now I'm seeing things I didn't see before because I'm a little more relaxed. I'm a little more confident and comfortable, mm-hmm. um, you know, being the literacy coach on campus. And now I'm starting to question like, okay, well, yeah, it, it's good for the kids, but how do I also make it good for the teacher? That's a very good question. And it is hard Um, I mean, having been, I was a a literacy coach for K-5 and in Texas, and you are not wrong. uh, There is, testing is incredibly um, pervasive. And we were also a, we we didn't have any specific program, but we were a reader's workshop campus, a balanced literacy campus. Um, And we did guided reading and yeah, so, you know, we're training teachers in best practices and, you know, in in what the model looks like and also helping them figure out how they're going to apply those things in their classroom. Plus we're helping them prepare for integration of testing strategies. Um, Having brought in a consultant, then teachers didn't have the voice on those strategies. And that might be one of, although it wouldn't have mattered for the new teachers anyway, but it might be one area where teachers might feel a little, you know, like constrained. It happens that teachers feel like, oh, somebody came in and told us what to do and now we have to do it, you know? So, and that, that can be very difficult. It is, it is great to have I, I, um, aligned strategies, I think, because it does save kids that time of relearning. Okay, what do you want me to do? So I know I, what my teacher wanted me to do last year. Now we're, I guess I dump all that and start over, right? <laughs> um, too many strategies can also be not a great thing because if it's too much, then it's overwhelming for kids and it's overwhelming for teachers. 
So it's kind of like, like you're talking about balance. It's balance in all things, I think. And that is what's really the hardest job, I believe, of a, of an elementary literacy coach and probably out of any coach is balancing, you know, the kinds of how much support do we give? What does it look like? How much is based on best practice? How much is just supporting the teacher and their own goals? Um, something you might think about is getting some teacher feedback. And, you know, using a survey or some kind of tool to figure out how do they, how do, excuse me, how do they really feel? Um, because one teacher's comment in a grade level meeting, as much as it can be a barb to the heart, I get it. Um, we don't, that's one time that teacher said one thing, right? So if we don't know how teachers are feeling across the campus, it can be hard to base our decisions on, on that input. So you could use a Google form for a survey, you could use, you know, printable survey where you print it out and they actually fill it out. You can do survey monkey, but Google forms is easier and um, just as effective and it's free. Survey monkey is free up to, I think a hundred responses. So there is also that, um, but it's helpful because you can ask them, you know, which of these strategies you're comfortable with? What is it that you feel really good about? What is it that, you know, are you having issues with these areas? Um, you can ask some questions to get their thinking and figure out exactly where they are in relation to these ideas. And you can mark, you know, I, um, I've been teaching, this is my first year. I've been teaching, you know, one to three years. You can have them mark that if you want. You can have them give you na their names if you want. It depends on, on your faculty and what you think would work best as far as getting honest responses. Um, but cause that's really what you want is honest responses. I would recommend though, putting the grade level at least, um, that they need to tell you what grade level they're in, because there's going to be differences, you know, from grade to grade. So that might be something to think about to start with is get some feedback, figure out where they are, what people really feel, um, and tell them like, like what, what you just said, you were very open to, to getting, you know, like your a handle on where do I need to focus? What is helpful? What is not helpful? I think that was really frank and honest and it was, it was sincere. And I think if you approach it that way, that people are more likely to tell you, okay, well, this is really how I feel about this. You know, I, I, I like having a bank of strategies. It tells me, you know, what I need to do and it's supportive of the kids, or I'm, I'm not crazy about having so many strategies, or it just seems like there's no room for individuality or whatever it is that teachers are going to tell you. Right. And they may be all over the place, but it'll at least give you a handle on where they are. Yeah, I definitely think the teacher that made that comment to me and, and team planning, um, I think she was definitely struggling on our campus um, because I don't think she felt like she could be the teacher that, that she wanted to be. Mm -hmm. um, she actually ended up resigning mid-year. So, um, so yeah, she was not happy. Um, but then I do have some of my first year teachers who really hold on to some of the PD that I give out, like, oh, summary is so hard to teach and, and, and now I can teach it, you know, or mm -hmm. like, oh, central idea. Oh, now I get it. And I model it for them. You know, I always model it, always use a, a text. Um, so I, I think that, I think you're right in saying that there, there are truly mixed emotions. Um, I just need to know, like, I need, and I need to know, I need to think about when I'm rolling things out. Mm -hmm. Because another part of it that I, that I put in my email to you is there are times where I get feedback, like this is too much. And then there are times that I get feedback and I, and I, and I hear teachers say like, why didn't you tell me this earlier? Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> well, you were overwhelmed earlier. <laughs> right, right. 
So, you know, I feel like I can't, I can't win. Not that I want to win, but I want to help you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be successful and you want your teachers to feel successful Mm -hmm. and it can be difficult whenever you're like, well, with the reality that we have to work with, I cannot give you everything at the beginning and then just go with it. Right. It's just not real. Um, and then there are certain times whenever you're like, wow, we have a lot of things that we have to make sure everybody understands right now. And it might be a lot of information. Mm -hmm. Um, one thing, I wonder if it would be helpful at all, if you created like a bank of videos of each strategy, um, whether that's you modeling or even a classroom teacher that's really great at, because some teachers have like real strengths in specific areas, you could record them and create that little bank of videos. And that way it's accessible there to people who are like, all right, I sat through that PD and I tried, but I still don't, I don't, it's, it was a lot for me. I need to go back and learn it again. You know, then they could go back and say, okay, what was that strategy for context clues that she showed us? And then they could watch a little video of it. Um, and that way it's, it's accessible to them. It's like bonus PD as they need it. You could use it with your new teachers as well. Um, like just with the new teachers. And it's a good refresher for other teachers, because we know that just because we've introduced something in the past, doesn't mean that it's being consistently used over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that might be one way to kind of give people extra support when they need it without overwhelming them because it's there on a, like a, a, a demand basis, you know, they can pay-per-view it you know? <laughs> <laughs> on demand. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. I never, I never thought of that. Teachers love to see each other teach and they don't get enough opportunity to do that. Um, in the classroom. So if you can record other teachers and then put them up there, that's great. Um, talk to, you know, teachers who are comfortable with doing that kind of thing. Um, it's good to get different grade levels, of course. Um, and I can think of like lots of opportunities where third grade would really benefit from seeing how fourth grade does something, you know, or where fifth grade would really benefit from seeing how third grade scaffolds something. So, <laughs> right. That's very important. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I think that that would be a really good you know, tool for you to use for lots of different reasons. And if it's just a specific strategy, they don't have to be very long, keep them really short. So people are like, okay, I can sit here and watch this five, six minute video mm-hmm. on one specific thing, because I'm not going to be stuck here for an hour. <laughs> so I also like that because it would help build capacity mm-hmm. in my building. And that's something that I've been really thinking about this year, because the last two years, I was so concerned about like having the right answers, right? (laughs) Right? Like, oh, I'm in this new role. People are expecting me to to always have the answer and I don't. And this year I finally sat back and said, this teacher is really strong in this area. So if she wants to speak up about it, I'm just, I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to, and I'm going to let her talk and I'm going to kind of facilitate this conversation, like Mm -hmm. more. But when I was in your room, let's describe your anchor chart, you know, and that, that has helped. Um, and I also see teachers, you know, going to each other too. And I like that. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I like that. I like when teachers know that they have team members who, you know, have valuable information to share because honestly they like hearing it from each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Because they're like, okay, you're doing this right now and it's working for you. So tell me what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. And highlighting teachers that way, um, you know, giving them like making sure that we're sharing the leadership role, that we're not always doing the talking that other people are sharing. That's a great way to grow capacity. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, another something else that might be, I don't know, 
how you might do this, but it might be something to think about more, maybe more for next year, for the remainder of this year. I don't know if you could put together maybe a team of teachers, maybe even the new teachers, some of the new teachers from this year could help you with this project for next year. But if you could take a look at the scope and sequence mm -hmm. in advance, like over the summer, and you look at, okay, what, what are we introducing this? When are we introducing that? And then you got those teachers to support you and like as a team where you create a rollout plan for the really essential, you know, whatever the initiatives are that you're really going to make sure that you provide a lot of support in for new teachers. And like, so as I know you have this program that you're already using, but maybe if we think about how you can integrate the feedback from those teachers and kind of adjust it based on the scope and sequence. So they feel like, okay, this when, this is what I needed right away. Right away, I needed this, this, and this. Um, you could also just do, if you can't really put the team together, <laughs> um, you could do just a survey again and say, what are some things that you wished you had had right in the beginning? How could I, you know, ask questions like that. How can I um, support the next round of new teachers by adjusting the, the schedule of when certain things get rolled out and maybe get some feedback from individual teachers that way if you aren't able to actually get them together and do like a team thing. Um, but it would probably be really helpful to have them as sort of a focus group, you know, they can share their thinking with you about what happened, what was really helpful, what adjustments would be helpful and how the calendar could support the work that they're doing in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And that would build capacity in those teachers and it would give them a voice and it would show that you were listening. You know, you're like, I'm, I really need to know. I want to hear from you. And you could even say the rest of this, you know, th uh, throughout the school year, you can say, be thinking about how this is working from, from, for you in your classroom, because I'm going to ask you for feedback on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've even started considering changing some of the, the content that I cover. Mm -hmm. You know, because like I said, I spend so much time on guided reading and I spend a lot of time on observable behaviors and 12 strategic actions like these, because I, I, I feel like this is my only time that I have you to really yeah. to dive deep and, and study it and read about it. And, you know, because this is the only time I have, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but maybe it's not the only time I have. That's true. You know, the other thing is you can think about, okay, what's essential to start? And then the second year can be another round. It could be different though. Like maybe the second year is book studies. Mm -hmm. And so you're providing ongoing support to teachers the second year, but it's in the form of a book study where you're digging into best practices and guided reading. So the first year you're establishing that that framework, you're establishing like some strategies that they can use during guided reading. This is a good opportunity to align your strategies within guided reading and within your test taking strategies, because the way we think and approach things, we can bring that into our guided reading lessons as well. Mm -hmm. So you can make some connections there. And then the second year, maybe you dig into, you know, really furthering their understanding because there comes up like we have this zone of proximal development, right? And after a certain point, we're like, I'm, you've, I've, I'm tapping out. That's all I got. <laughs> so I've got too much new learning in here. I'm trying to stay afloat and I'm learning, learning, learning. And I think that I've reached my max right now. So maybe if you could differentiate, okay, what's, what's introductory and what is like, you know, the next level of real understanding. Um, I mean, not that you don't have real understanding at the beginning, but it can be, it's just a lot. Um, so that might be one thing to do to kind of to feel like, okay, they're coming back next year and we're gonna dig deeper into this. 
And that way you can kind of manage your time differently the first year and hopefully don't feel like you have so much to cram in. Well, you know, and I wonder, we always have high turnover in ELA. It, it's, it's always been that way on my campus. We've also always had really high expectations for ELA teachers. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember going through initial literacy with my coach and I remember the readings we did and I didn't know what I read. <laughs> I was like, there were a lot of words on that page. <laughs> so I, I mean, that's still very real to me. I, I do like what you said, that zone of proximal development, like there comes a point where like you're past my ZPD, like I'm concerned about this student in my class who's not paying attention and I'm a new teacher and I don't know how to handle the situation. And like, I don't talk about classroom. I mean, I do talk about classroom management in the sense of community and how workshop builds community and ways we do that. But I don't necessarily talk about um, uh, classroom management. I don't spend a lot of time talking about many lessons, um, how to write them. Um, the parts of the mini lesson, but then I, and then I reflect and I go, I wonder if that's why my teachers are feeling really overwhelmed because maybe I'm developing them in areas that they're not ready for development, but you know, on my campus, we have to do guided reading, right? Like we, we have to. Yes. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think absolutely that they, they need to be introduced to guided reading. Mm-hmm. They just might not be ready for that really deep understanding that comes that you develop over time as you work through guided reading. Mm-hmm. So maybe the focus at first is, okay, so what does the structure look like? How mm-hmm. do I establish routines in my classroom that are going to help me be successful? How do I make sure kids know what to do whenever I am working with a group? And I am not going to be responding to their issues, right? What are the other kids doing? Is it independent reading? Is it stations? How can I make that really purposeful? Because that is a huge reason teachers struggle with guided reading because they're like, well, I don't know what the other kids are doing. So they're handing out busy work Mm -hmm. and then kids are disengaged. Kids are chatting or they try to get kids to read books, but then they haven't really taught them how to choose a book. They haven't taught them how to write about their book, how to interact with their book. They haven't built the stamina for independent reading. So then we see kids who don't know what to do. And then partway through the lesson, the teacher's like, I can't even get through this because they're all talking. They're not doing anything. They're not even reading. And they get really frustrated. So those that, and that's part of management as well is having a really purposeful assignment for your kids all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that's a, that's a really good reflection that you can start with some of those basic things that new teachers just need. Now, some of your teachers may not need that because they are, like you said, veteran teachers that are new to the school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe that's like a, differentiation, you know, opportunity. Maybe you have certain teachers watch a video on something and, and, and do some kind of response. And then you have your new teachers with you and you do classroom management or something along those lines um, to kind of make sure that everybody gets what they need and nobody is. I mean, but if you do have school management ish or procedures, that's a good mm-hmm. time to onboard people in that area as well because some schools have aligned management, you know, certain strategies that are used. And whenever it's never really introduced to new teachers, they're like, I don't, I don't know what's expected of me. Right. Like they're expected to pick it up just from right. being in the building. Yeah. Yes. Osmosis. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot. It is a whole lot. Being new to a campus is a lot. Um, being new to teaching is a whole lot because we do expect people to hit the ground running and they're in no way usually prepared for that. Um, they can be amazing, but that doesn't mean that they're ready to know how things are done everywhere and everywhere is different. 
so that's, those are some things to think about. What are some essentials that new teachers need? And maybe spend the first few sessions on those, maybe based on your observations that you see every year, what is it that there's, that's holding them back? What is keeping them from being successful? And um, so I'm just thinking about like, if you want them to be successful in guided reading, classroom management has to be established. Absolutely must. Because if not, they will be fighting an uphill battle all year and eventually they'll give up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you think of anything else that might be really supportive of teachers that you haven't included uh, to this point, but it could, it's maybe because it's not specifically literacy, but maybe it's foundational to their classroom practice. So the, the only thing that's on my mind right now is, is the mini lesson, the whole group teach, because that's the part that when I go in to observe across my campus, I see areas that we could grow. Okay. Mm-hmm. More so than in guided reading. We're always growing in guided reading. And, um, but I'm noticing more ish, more areas of growth. Yes. <laughs> yeah. More areas of growth in, in the mini lesson. So that might be something that you think about doing introductory lesson for the new teachers and also having SPD for your entire faculty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not sure what your PD model looks like for everybody else, but that would be an opportunity of growth for everyone, but it's good to have you know, your new teachers. They need the special stuff, right? They need, they need to know what do I do? <laughs> And where do I get the books and how do I know which books to choose and what do I teach and how do I frame them? Um, a mini lesson, like how do I word things? If yes. I'm only going to be teaching this for 10 to 15 minutes, what do I say? How do I give kids practice? They need to know those basic things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be really overwhelming to try to start out that way. And most, most teachers um, who haven't taught in that framework are not going to keep their lessons short because it's, it's a lot to think about. It really is. Yeah. And they, and they don't realize that that takes intentional planning. Mm-hmm. You, you have to plan for a short lesson. It's right. Because everything you say and everything you do is so intentional mm-hmm. and you, you've had to have thought about it before mm-hmm. and, and planning, there's not enough time to do that. Mm-hmm. When I'm meeting with teens, I have 40 minutes. Right. We're talking like, get out your calendar. (laughs) You know, what are we doing Monday? What's our objective? What are we doing Tuesday? What's our objective? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so there's another opportunity for videos really, because they're, they could be short mini lesson samples and you could use them in your new teacher trainings where teachers can actually like reverse engineer them into plans. Mm. So they can watch it and say, what could the planning have looked like going into this lesson? Cause I agree. Planning for those things is so important. I think it was Mark Twain said something like, I'm going to write you a long letter because I don't have time to write you a short one, <laughs> right? You have to really think about what you're going to say whenever you're trying to keep it short. So <laughs> yeah, it's cute. That, maybe that's a nice, you could throw that into your workshop. <laughs> you get to Google it and see if he actually said it or not, or if it's one of those <laughs> Mark Twain myths, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, I think that that's a really good focus for some workshops at the beginning of the year with your new teachers and for everybody. Um, and for you know, using those videos is so impactful because it's so hard for people to visualize what that looks like. It's really hard. And even having, I mean, even whenever you do it yourself, sometimes you're like, how am I going to do this 
in it, like, what is this going to look like this new topic or this new idea? So, um, I totally recommend having visuals that people can respond to and then connecting it to the planning is so important. Planning mm -hmm. together with teachers is great. One little model that I've used, um, working with teachers, it was in guided reading specifically, but I've used it in other frameworks as well is I sit with teachers and I plan a lesson with them. And then I immediately deliver that lesson. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, and I send the children away and then, and then we debrief. So I did guided reading. We did that during, it was during a PE time. Actually, they had a 45 minute PE time and it was like a bonus session that they were participating in. I called them in. I already had blank lesson plans for everybody. Um, I had a copy of the book for everybody that I was going to use. I briefly shared why I selected the book, what strategy to focus on based on the data that I had. And then we planned a lesson. I mean, I did most of the talking because I was modeling, but they contributed their thinking as well. And mm -hmm. we built that lesson. Everybody had a copy of their lesson plan. I called the kids in, did my lesson for guided reading, sent the kids out, and we had a debrief. And it was one of the most, it was one of the easiest things ever because it's just planning a lesson and doing your lesson. Mm -hmm. But it was also one of the most effective things I have ever done in working with teachers. So then I tried to take that model with me um, now I, I coach teachers on different campuses, um, mostly campuses that don't have, uh, coaches. Mm -hmm. And so I try to use that same model whenever we do mini lessons or anything else is I will plan the lesson. I want the teacher to see the thought process that goes into it. I'm pulling out the standards. I'm figuring out what to focus on. I'm thinking about where the kids are, how I'm in a scaffold. I model it all the planning process together. We can, you know, they can collaborate as well because they have knowledge of their kids Mm -hmm. And then, um, then I model the lesson and that has been super impactful for teachers. So that might be something to, I know it can be difficult, um, to get that sort of thing scheduled, but it might be a really valuable way to spend some time with new teachers. Yeah. So one of my, one of my coaches for coaches, our district set up that way, which is so great. I was doing too much for my teachers and I was feeling really burned out and I was really mad because I just walked out of a meeting and they didn't say thank you. And I was like, I spent a lot of time on this. Right. <laughs> and so I called her and I told her and she said, Nikki, you're not helping them. She said, she said, you know why you were a great teacher? Because you knew what you said, like you knew how to think through your lesson. She said, and if you don't help them think like you, they will never get to where you want them to be. So stop doing the work. Right. And so when you said like plan the lesson in front of the teachers, they can have the input, but think aloud, mm -hmm. just like I would do in my class. Yes, exactly. And then model the lesson that it made me connect to that conversation that I had. Um, and it, and that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good conversation to have because it is true. And I've, you know, I've, I've done the same thing. I think any, anybody who is a problem solver falls into that trap, right? That, cause you're like, well, I can just do it. Mm -hmm. I'm, pretty, I'm fast at it. It's not that hard. I'll just get it ready for him. It'll be fine. But when we do that too, and there, there are times when I do think just because of the realities of teaching and the time constraints, there are times when I do think that we should do th certain things for teachers to have it ready because it's just impossible for them to do everything, you know, yeah. but yeah, if we're not coaching the thinking, if we're not coaching, what does this look like for you to approach this on your own and training people and thinking through their own lesson, that's whenever we start to have issues. Um, because teachers just count, just expect, they expect you to do certain things, but then they're never taking that learning as their own. Mm -hmm. 
So that's a really good observation and a good connection to make too. Um, So hopefully this will be supportive of that. And then you can have a follow-up, you know, okay. So now next time you're going to write a lesson plan, I'm going to be here to support you. You're going to think through it, bring your kids data, you know, like a working planning session that everybody plans their lessons right there. And you're there to be supportive. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can just kind of gradually release responsibility that way. Yeah. I like that. I like, I think just that thinking aloud is so valuable. You know, we do it for our students all the time. And I'll never forget, like I took your confident literacy uh, course. Oh, yay. And I loved it. Oh, good. I'm so glad. (laughs) Um, And the part, one part that sticks out to me is when you said, I don't remember your exact words, but something along the lines of like, they don't know how to, if they've not seen it, they don't know how to do it. (laughs) And I was like, duh, writing that down. (laughs) So I always try now I'm getting better. Like at first I thought it was more like, Oh, I feel so bad admitting this, but like, you know, like I have to be the smartest person in the room and I have to know the answer and I have to talk through the right answer. Like no one cares what I know. (laughs) Right. So like, can I show it to you Mm -hmm. (laughs) or do I have a video? Um, that really, that small moment in that training really opened my eyes as a coach. So it made so much sense. Like they don't know if they've not seen it, they do not know how to do it. Yeah. It's hard to envision something, envision yourself doing something you've never seen done. That's it. That's exactly it. That was what you said. Okay. (laughs) That was what you said. Well, there you go. There's your soundbite. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. And I had to learn that the hard way as well, because I was the same way. I would say, well, they'd say, well, what should we do for this? I'd say, well, you could do this, or you could do that, or, you know, but that's not, that doesn't help the teachers that need the help because they can't picture what you're saying anyway. So you tell them, well, this would be a really great idea. And they're like, I don't know what that is, or I'm going to go do it, but it's going to be like a thing that doesn't yeah. Not what you thought. <laughs> I, okay. I get that a lot. I'm like, we talked about this. You had no idea. <laughs> right. Yes. I'm like, oh, that one's on me. I did not yeah. show you what that looked like. Just like with our students, right? If we don't yep. show them what it looks like, then I mean, and it's not that they're children. That's absolutely not the point I'm trying to make, but it can be, if you haven't seen a mode of teaching, if you've never seen a teacher manage a classroom with guided reading groups going on and independent reading going on, it can be hard to envision. Yes. So if you're coming from a textbook and workbooks to a reader's workshop model, that can be tough. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, if we can show them, if we can get them into each other's classrooms, if we can model, if we can have te- teachers create videos, that mm-hmm. is the way to show the possibilities. And it's with real kids that are at their school. And yeah. so it's not like those are fantasy children who don't exist. No, these are the kids next door or your kids. And then it's so much more meaningful. Yeah, you're so right. Yeah. All right. So anything else that you want to talk about before we wrap up? Or do you feel like you have some ideas that could be supportive of, of, um, of working with your new teachers? Yes, I definitely have a lot of ideas I'm so and a glad. lot of work to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. It never, ever ends. But I think that it's great that you're trying to think about how you can be more supportive of people over time. And, and, and onboarding new teachers is such important work because we, can, we have to stop losing these people, right? We have to give them the support that they need. And just the fact that you have an ongoing program is amazing because a lot of schools don't even have that. So that's awesome. Yes. And then it's sad at the end of the year when they tell you, 
Thanks, Nikki. I learned so much from you. I'm going to take it to my new school. And like, I'm so happy for you, but so sad for me. Yes. Yeah. I so know exactly I, what you mean. It's rough. So I do feel that, you know, the other side of the coin, like not only do I want to build capacity in them, but I want to retain it at our campus because I'm very invested in our campus. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally, I believe in that. And hopefully, you know, if you, if you're getting feedback from teachers and you're framing your support around that, maybe you will. Now, not everything is going to be in your control, right? It's yeah. just not. So you can't be like, well, I lost these teachers. That's not necessarily the case. There are probably a lot of factors that go into the making decision to go somewhere else, but mm -hmm. it can't hurt to do whatever you can do to be supportive and responsive to what they need. So I think that's a great focus. Yeah. Thank you so much. You you're welcome. You a lot. I'm so glad I can't, I would love to hear how these things go. If you try something out or if you try something out over time, I know some of them are more like long-term ideas, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, if you ever want to, you know, get in touch or, you know, share it on Instagram or whatever, let me know. I'd love to see it. Of course. Well, right. this has been great. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. So coaches, that is what a coaching call can sound like. Um, I love my conversation with Nikki. I think she's doing some great work with her teachers and having that program for new teachers is so important. They really need our support. Um, if you visit the blog, actually, buzzywithmissb.com slash episode 75, or you can check it out, the link in the show notes of whatever media player you're listening to right now, you can get a download for coaching teachers and classroom management, which was one of the things that Nikki kind of realized her teachers may need more support in towards the beginning of the year. Coaching teachers and classroom management can be a real challenge. <laughs> Um, but I did give you some pointers and some ideas and some things that you can work on with teachers early in the in their careers or if they need maybe a refresh on management. And you can get that download for free at buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 75. Next week, I am actually talking to Megan of Ms. Williams, y'all. That's her account on Instagram, Megan Williams. And we're going to talk about changing your role and growing as a coach. So, so many coaches have changed roles from last year to this year or at any point in the year, sometimes you have a sudden move and it can be really hard and you feel like a fish out of water and you're kind of new to content, you're new to teachers, you're new to grade levels, you're new to the school. And what do you do? How do you stay afloat? How do you have the attitude that you need? How do you keep learning? So we're going to have that conversation next week. That's going to be episode 76. And until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.